welcome to the Saints of San Francisco podcast, where we dive into faith, career, and fulfillment. I'm your host, Isaac Hong. Today, we have Jay Lee, a product designer at Dropbox and founder slash CEO of Zion, an app designed to connect Christians in the workplace. Welcome, Saints, to the second episode for the Saints of San Francisco podcast, where we dive into work, faith, and fulfillment. Today's guest is Jay Lee, one of my favorite guys. I've known this guy for a while in the Bay Area, and uh, he's just um, electrifying is a term I use at the end of episode one, um, and just loves the Lord and has this charisma and this passion um, enough for like 10 people. So, Jay, could you uh, give a little introduction about yourself? Yeah, what's up, everyone? Thank you so much, Isaac, for bringing me on to your show. Um, my name is Jay Lee. Um, I'm a CEO and a co-founder of Zion Labs, as well as um, I do product design on the side uh, at Dropbox. Awesome. So did you want to drop in your plug for, for Zion or...? Oh yes, I can. Um, I can sell Zion. All right. So, um, Zion app is a nonprofit startup. Um, when we built a Christian social network that helps um, professionals, uh, believers in their workplace and industry to find each other and connect. Um, you can download it. It's available on iOS and Android at zionapp.io. Um, so you can download it right now. Awesome. And and Saints, you better go download it. It's a pretty cool app. So moving on to the icebreaker question, I'm sure you're going to like this one. If you had a superpower to influence the entire world to do one thing, what would it be? And it's, it's only that one thing. Once you use it up, then it's done. Then the superpower is I mean, done. yeah, they'll, you know, I'll have them download the Zion app. <laughs> um, I, I actually, I was watching the election yesterday and it was about like 100 million people that voted. And I, I thought, man, if everyone can give me $1, that would be a lot of money. <laughs> so <laughs> if I can have everyone in the world give me a dollar each, I would, wow, I would be really rich. Yeah, you'd be uh, like a billionaire. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of people in the world. Um, so that would be cool. Awesome. So that, that's what you would do? Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty good. Um, what would you do with the, the amount of money that you amassed? I know this is like a cheater question, but you have like $8 billion or, you know, seven mm-hmm. point something billion dollars. Wow. What would you do with it? Um, if I had $8 billion, wow. I would build a, um, a bigger team, hire a lot of engineers for Zion. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would have to hire smart people to manage that money. I have no idea. I would probably ask Justin Yu which um, properties I should buy. (laughs) Um, But I have no idea. I would probably take a vacation in Hawaii, uh, give some to my parents, bless people around me. Um, But I I, I don't know. I might be a horrible person to handle $9 billion. (laughs) You went from eight to $9 billion. Awesome. (laughs) Sounds good. So, Jay, 
how did you end up in San Francisco? What are you doing now? And what did you do before? Yeah, what did I do before? That's a good question. Um, I mean, right now I work at a company called Dropbox as a product designer. I was there about three and a half years. Before that, um, I was up in the Bay Area um, doing my internship at Facebook as a product design intern. Mm. Um, and that was my first, I guess, my professional job. Um, before that, I thought my calling was to be a missionary. And so um, I, back in 2014, um, I went to Youth with a Mission in Kona, Hawaii, um, did my DTS discipleship training school um, there and went to India to um, be a missionary. And, and it was that place where I received a vision and a call to build a platform that would connect all believers around the world and that's kind of God paved that way really fast and, um, you know, miraculously because I wasn't, uh, you know, the, the most smart, smartest kid that I knew. And um, but somehow, like in two years after that call, I was at Facebook um, sitting with kids from Stanford and I am, you know, very unqualified. Um, but it was really cool to learn and see how. Um, the world was using the digital technology to connect the world. And um, it really um, pushed a way for me to pursue the, uh, this dream of using that same technology to connect believers and unite believers. Mm. Um, so that, that kind of made me come to San Francisco. Awesome. So, so I feel like you have this duality where one part of you, when you discovered Jesus and God, and you went on these mission trips abroad. You wanted to be a missionary, and now through your love of design, um, you're now a product designer, as well as building out this app, which is like a combination of both, right? You're using your design skills, um, as well as your, your missional goal to bring Christians together in the workplace. So, so how does design, uh, product design speak into your life? Or does it even? And and what do you truly feel like God's purpose is for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like product design for me is something that I do find a lot of attributes of God. Um, and I think it comes from a place of solving problems for other people and not for myself. Um, and so... God himself is a creator. He's a designer. And so he is my biggest inspiration. Um, in fact, um, you know, when I became Christian in 2013, um, it came to me when I was studying um, industrial design, which is design of physical goods, um, like doorknobs or water bottles or keyboards. And I would be prototyping these in school. And realized that behind everything that I see in my room was designed by somebody. Mm. Um, and before that, it never really occurred to me. And the, the thought never came to me that, wow, there has to be so many intentionality and thought behind the products that I use every day. Yeah. Um, and I realized that, wow, I want to know who designed all of these things. And, yeah. and when I saw myself in the mirror, and when I saw the trees outside, it was 
it, it blew my mind that the design of a human being or the tree that I, I was looking at was so much more complex and so much more beautiful than any human person can design. Mm. And so I was very convinced that there has to be a designer behind me. There has to be a designer behind um, this galaxy that is so complex. And so that was my search um, for God um, to know who the designer is of um, the universe. And, um, and thankfully, God found me during that time. And when I read the Bible, it was so incredible. Um, like John, uh, you know, the first book of John, it says that um, in the beginning, you know, God, God spoke. He said, let the, um, in the beginning was the word. Yeah. And, and in Genesis, we can see that um, he commended things into existence as a creator. Yep. And I really think, you know, there is truth behind, um, yeah, God being the designer and us who is made in the image of God, we reflect him. And so I really do believe that everyone is a designer in their own sphere of influence. Oh, man. That's awesome. So, so I feel like you went into product design, um, but then you realized just how close to a creator you you really are like to our creator himself but then this idea of there is thought and intent behind every small thing to big thing and especially with mother nature as you described that like there was a designer behind all that too um so so when you're at dropbox and you're doing work do you feel like you're doing God's work because you're literally designing things as well? Or do you find more meaning in life through, um, you know, your past missional calling when you went out to do missionary work or your current uh, part-time gig, which is being the CEO and founder of Zion? Mm, That's a very good question. I do wish that I felt more like what I'm doing at Dropbox was the call of God. Oftentimes I struggle with that mm. um, and feeling like what, what does designing these productivity um, apps <laughs> for people have to do with God and his kingdom? And mm. I think what pushes me um, in my day to day is having faith that this experience um that i'm going through is 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 a discipline of god and i i would not be able to understand um how this is going to fit into the greater story or greater calling that god has for me Mm -hmm. but i have um tremendous amount of faith that right now the things that i need to do is given to me which is at dropbox and i'm learning the things and god is training me the things that I need for his ministry. Um, And I I can already see it through Zion. I mean, Zion wouldn't be as what it is without the things I learned at Facebook or Dropbox, um, the connections and the people that I got to meet through that. Um, Mm -hmm. So even though like every, you know, little project might not seem like it aligns to that, as you know, King David might have not known um, being a shepherd boy um, with a slingshot um, to get rid of 
you know, wolves and, you know, bears out of on the sheep that he was tending yeah. was actually a training season to for him to take down Goliath. And it was a pivotal moment for him to be um, pathway to God's calling. Wow. And so I really do think that the gig that I'm doing at Dropbox is a step towards that. Awesome. Awesome. So now could you tell me a little bit more about um, your app Zion? Where did the inspiration come from? You kind of went over it a little bit. And also what are some difficulties of founding a Christian app? Yeah. Um, so yeah, back in 2013, I was in, you know, design school and I kind of felt like there was God because I was designing and, <laughs> and thankfully God found me during that time. And I finished reading the new Testament and it says, go out to all nation, <laughs> baptize people in the name of father, spirit, son. That's literally the exit a command of Christ. And so I was like, I have to go if I believe in this. And so I found a mission school called YWAM. And I went there and I was in India for three months and I was blown away um, by the love of God and the ministry of God. And it was just such a beautiful life to be just sold out for one thing, which was to preach this gospel. Mm. Um, and during that time, I was very happy with my life. Um, it was a very simple life. Um, and in my one of my prayers in India, I did this thing where I was like throwing the Bible and pointing to a verse and say, God, this is the verse you have for me. And I, I had just so much amount of faith. And he <laughs> spoke to me daily that way. Yeah. And I pointed to a scripture and it landed me to John 17, 21. And it was one of the last prayer of Jesus before he went to get crucified. And it was a prayer to all believers. And so he prays to the Father. And this is the prayer of Christ. He says, Father, as you and I are one, I pray that they, all believers, may be one so that the world may know you have sent me. And I was just awestruck by this verse um, because for three months in YWAM, I was trained every day on how to evangelize people in the streets, how to go out, talk to strangers, tell my testimony, explain yeah. the gospel in three minutes. Mm -hmm. But this strategy that I saw was something that came to me in a fresh way, which was uniting the body of Christ. And Jesus says, if we are united as Father and Christ is one, if the body is united, that the world will know that Jesus Christ is God. And so I was like, whoa, how is this being done today? Mm. And what I saw was so much division in the church, but even beyond in the global church. I mean, yeah. we have thousands of denominations and thousands of different ways of practices. And there's charismatic, there's conservatives. And I saw so many people pointing fingers at each other rather than embracing and going into the movement of unity. And, and so mm -hmm. I really felt like God was calling me into that and showed me a glimpse of how that might be coming in reality in our generation yeah. and that was the use of technology mm -hmm. and so 
that day I received a word um, called Zion. And I, you know, as a young Christian, I didn't know what that meant. Um, and, it, you know, after asking, you know, very wise missionaries in the base with me during that time, he explained to me that it was a metaphorical word in the, you know, oftentimes or a mountain that was talked about in the Old Testament, but it is often used as a metaphor to talk about the holy city, the gathering of the holy people. And that word just triggers so much in my heart that this is the perfect vision of the platform that I want to create. It's called Zion. And the dream is to connect all believers into one platform. Hmm. Uh, And I didn't really know that there was a need for this. It was just a dream. Um, And, you know, somehow God made that into reality. Um, And he paved a lot of ways for that to come true. Um, And obviously we're far from connecting the world, but every day God is challenging me to have that faith um, that it's not us, our Zion team that's going to do it, but God's going to do it. And we have to be faithful in the given task um, that we are given today. Um, So I think your second question was what's, you know, what are some of the hardships of working on a Christian app yeah. Um, and there is a lot that I didn't know that existed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I think coming from Silicon Valley, um, working every day at a you know for-profit company, um, we it's a complete, complete different mindset that I have to put on. Mm. Um, everything I do in my day-to-day at work is by sight, is based on what I see. It is very metric driven. It is money driven. Mm. Um, so we are trying to meet certain numbers based on our rational decisions of the numbers that we see today. Sure. Um, and that is extremely hard when you are working on a nonprofit uh, application where we are not, you know, met with shareholder deadlines. We're not you know, met by a certain metrics we have to meet. We don't need to make money. Um, But the hardest thing is that when we look at the numbers, it is so easy to be discouraged. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's why it's such a challenge is how do we live the scripture? We walk by faith and not by sight. And that is definitely something God's been convicting me is that I constantly fall back to, wait, we only have this much users. Wait, we don't have a lot of engagements. And I I often react with that kind of urgency and fear. Hmm. And God is constantly telling me, hey, you have no faith. And what we can see in, you know, Matthew 17, 20, Jesus replies, says, because you have so little faith, truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And I think oftentimes I think I have faith, small yeah. as mustard seed in my heart. But the thing that I don't do is say to the mountain. Um, yeah. And I, I think God is uh, training me to not just have faith that, okay, this thing's going to work or you know, that God's going to do it. But I need to say to the mountain that, God, this is going to work. You're you're doing this. You're, you know, people are going to sign up. Um, People are going to share inspirations here. Uh, So that's something that I've been trying to uh, get better at. 
Wow, wow. So, so in light of that, what do you think um, it means to be a leader in this space? And in so being a leader, there are responsibilities where that doesn't apply to a lot of other people, right? Running um, this app. Um, and, and people say that it gets lonelier as you get higher um, in the ladder. So, so I know um, right now Zion is still growing. Um, your, your user base is growing, but not at the level you'd like. But you are still the founder of this app. You still have people working for you, albeit for free. Um, but what does it mean to be a leader to you um, for the app? And then what does it mean to be a leader in the kingdom? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, what does it mean to be a leader in the kingdom of God? Um, I mean, for sure, all I know is how far away I am. And I think that is the most surprising thing about the gospel is how often we find God used the most unqualified to do his greatest tasks. And, you know, when we look at the disciples that Jesus picked, they are very, very not qualified people. <laughs> In fact, I wouldn't even want to believe it if it came from them. Mm-hmm. It wasn't strategically a, a good decision to pick these fishermen's tax collectors. Um, yet, Jesus does, and they become the leaders of the first founding church. Um, and that is pretty insane. And again and again, we, we find that King David as well comes from a humble, um, he's the last out of all his brothers, he's the youngest one. Um, they didn't even consider him to show in front of Samuel um, <laughs> because he was, they didn't think he would be qualified at all. Yeah. God uses them. Um, and so I, I think you know, being in in a place where I'm so grateful that there are people seeing the need of working on this and and working this together with me and and awkwardly me having to call myself a CEO, I think it reminds me how unqualified I must be Mm. and how much I am in need to be depending on God and his wisdom Mm. And how much constantly I need to battle for me not to live, but Christ to live in me so that I may make a decision that Christ would. Um, And that's so hard. And I, you know, I think that's the biggest wrestle. And the temptation of the world is that it is set up so that I myself um, should make the decision. I myself should live. Um, I myself should be lifted up. And so I'm trying to learn how to be a leader every day, how to follow the, the path that Christ showed is to die to self, to serve others um, as a leader. Yeah, that's good. I, I like the concept of modeling after Jesus. And, you know, people expected him to be this grand leader that came out on a chariot of fire and destroyed the Roman regime and kind of 
you know, brought Israel back to its former glory. And yet, you know, he went against the grain and was this teacher that wasn't as, you know, grandiose or had a lot of bravado and strength and power in what people expected um, him to be. So with that said, one of the things you mentioned was being a leader means dying to yourself and knowing that you have a lot more to learn. But I feel like, you know, in our conversations before too, as well of um, people in the secular world now in the 21st century, uh, Christians in uh, modern times and also in San Francisco, there's a lot of levels to, to, to that. And there's a lot of things that we talked about and complained about and wished about. So, so in light of that, how do you feel about 21st century Christians and Christians in tech? Yeah. Um, the 21st century Christians, um, how do I feel about them? Hmm. I feel like the the biggest thing for me that I find many of the folks that I get to meet in the church today and what they are asking is looking for their calling. Um, I feel like we even do so many workshops to help people find calling. In fact, I even led one at a retreat before on how to find a calling. <laughs> um, and I, I feel like the recently I've been thinking more and more when I read the Bible, the calling of a believer is not as complex as we make it to be. Yep. And oftentimes it becomes more complex the more we want the calling to fit into our life rather than the total surrender of wanting to live the calling of God and what he has told us, mm. such as the Great Commission, um, right? Of go out and make disciple of all nations, um, baptizing people in the name of Father, Spirit, and Son. Um, and I feel like the first thing that the, you know, the Great Commission tells us is to go out. And I think that's even the hardest part. Yeah. And we don't want to do that. <laughs> we don't. Um, and because it's very inconvenient to me, um, I find it extremely hard for us to live out the calling that God has given us to make disciples, um, to evangelize, to preach the gospel, to heal the sick. And so I, I think I often have to grind, grind myself back, ground myself back to the simple gospel that, wow, I'm a sinner. God loves me, reconciled my relationship with God. And now I am a disciple of Christ and I carry the cross to preach the gospel to the ends of the world. And, you know, and that might translate, be expressed differently um, to people's life. But as long as my foundation is from that heart, from that mission, the way that God can use us and mold us into expressing that in our sphere of, you know, influence and where God has placed us might look very differently. Mm. But we don't have to chase how that's going to look. We just chase after the core foundation. And I, I believe that God would, you know, we can continue to live in his calling and then find joy in it. 
Um, I think your second question was um, what I feel about Christians and technology. Um, I feel like, you know, we have a tremendous amount of responsibility as people, Christians that are called to tech um, because the time that we are living in, um, we, it's been 10 years um, about since social media has conquered the world and it lives in, you know, so many people's pocket, billions of people. Um, And a lot of times this is decided in Silicon Valley, a very, very small city compared to the impact and influence that it has. And so if you are listening to this and you're working as a Christian in tech, I really think God has chosen you to be here. Um, and, oh, sorry, a dog parking behind me. Can you hear that? Um, so I do believe that God has chosen you to be here. And we, um, you know, it's kind of like when we think of, um, like the government, you know, I feel like God has picked like CIA, the, like the most special agents to go to the most influential and most hard hardest places for us to do a great task Mm -hmm. and so i want to just encourage that christians and technology you have that responsibility but with that it comes with a lot of temptations with money or just you know living and looking like the world and doing what we think is right in the world rather than in the spirit Mm -hmm. um and so i think that's going to be a constant battle as believers that we need to fight and so you know I really think there's a place for God in Silicon Valley. And Mm -hmm. I really believe God is moving in Silicon Valley and in technology. And so I want to encourage believers in technology to number one, wherever you are, um, you um, have to shine your light as, as sons and daughters of God. And that's not just being a good person. I, my coworker that are non-believers are very good people. Um, But being a Christ followers, I believe looks like, um, us building that intentional relationship so that people around us see the goodness of God and yeah. they see that Christ is Lord. Um, and I feel like the other side of the strategy is, is not only just influencing in our work day to day, but using your tools to become a digital missionary. Mm-hmm. And so digital missionary is like a new term. I feel like that's been, floating around and there is a lot of networks like faith tech there is indigenous.org there is faith and work movement or i mean so many apps like bible lab pray.com um there's a lot of technologies that is being used and being built for the kingdom of god directly and so that is another way you can participate um, and use your gift to help um, these movements out yeah, including Zion Man. That's true. And we're looking for many talents. Um, and, <laughs> and so please email me um, or uh, you can contact us to our website. We're looking for always new talents. Um, and I think that's the kind of the dream that I have is that growing up in the church, I always felt like, you know, you're limited to being a pastor, missionary, or a worship leader. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, And what God wants to do in this generation is break that and use you in your talents and the gift that God has given you and and use that directly for his ministry. 
And so that is, you know, beyond those three jobs. And you can be, you know, what you, anything you want in whatever you're doing in your job and use that for the kingdom. And, yeah. and you will thrive even more doing that. Mm. And so I, I'm, I'm really passionate about how do we build church that enables people to use their giftings and, you know, talents that they've been training for um, directly to the kingdom of God. Got it. Got it. Wow. That was a, that was a lot that you've unpacked there. Um, I, I like that portion, especially about um, being a digital missionary. I feel like with technology, we're able to do so many more things um, as human beings and we could take a lot of things to the next level. And one thing that you mentioned was like the Bible lab. So instead of, you know, having an actual Bible is good and you could like take notes in it real time and things like that. But, you know, having the Bible at the tip of your fingertips on your phone that you could read, um, you know, that's amazing technology, right? And everything else that you've mentioned, I feel like there's a huge space for Christian tech to be a thing. Um, but beyond what is, I guess, uh, a positive potential for Christians in technology, do you see anything that's kind of hindering this, this quest, this goal for the kingdom of God? Uh, for Christians in technology specifically, that's kind of like holding us back? Or do you think that we just have the same problems now in modern society as we did before? Mm. So is the question on like, what are the negative effects of technology? Yeah, or if there is one or have issues with Christians and Christianity or um, obstacles that prevent us from actually walking on God's path, has that evolved at all due to technology in your opinion? And if it has, what, 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 what are these things in your opinion? Yeah. I mean, I feel like more and more, you know, and obviously social dilemma is an amazing documentary that I recommend people watching. And I don't think it's, all true, but I think it does its best job trying to um, explain to the common people, not in tech, to understand how decisions are made here and why there are so many bad fruits of, you know, data that shows us, you know, the increase of, you know, young girls harming themselves and suicide rate increasing with the introduction of social media. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, that is going through, you know, self-identity and their own image. I feel like it's pretty obvious and everyone knows in the back of their head the side effects of social media, um, yet I do think the church is not in the forefront to have an opinion on where and how ministry should be using mm, um, such a powerful tool. Um, I do think those things are coming up and I do think God will use his people to bring wisdom on how Christians should best handle that because it's such a powerful tool. Like, I mean, you know, porn is accessible in a second in people. And and I see these kids um, having smartphones and um, it's something that we need to continue to be intentional about being informed. Yeah. Um, 
But I do think that, you know, I do see a lot of even my friends where their attentions are being shorter. Like uh, when we're talking, um, they're, you know, they're often looking at their phone or because now we're on Zoom, like I see yeah. them like watching like other things while we're talking like this. <laughs> and so it's like, um, you know, and it's kind of sad to see, you know, in the time that we live in is very unique where people are surrounded by informations of voices of voices and in the midst of so many noises that is fighting for our attention, where does the voice of God stand Mm. and how does voice of God intervene um, and overpower all these um, things that we can see the things, the smartphone that lights up in front of our face and naturally um, psychologically by, you know, it, it just grabs our attention. Yeah. How are we going to fight that um, and let the you know voice of God be more powerful that is unseen? Mm. I, I really think there is going to be a need for the church to be very intentional about training people to fight these distractions and discipline ourselves um, in, in, in the age of where information is trying to grab our attention so much. Wow. Wow. That's good. That's good. Uh, I think I especially like the part where, you know, the documentary, the social dilemma, as well as just the loss of the attention span of a normal human being when you're actually physically in contact with someone, or even if it's a conversation through Zoom, it's just so hard to focus on one thing at a time and to build that fellowship um, and the relationship, even if it's through the screen. But um, I, I think going back to you saying technology can be a force for good and it could be a force for evil or something that can inadvertently produce bad fruit. That's a very good point. You know, it's it should be technology should be utilized as a platform, as a tool, as a medium for us to be self-aware and make sure that we're in, intentional about its uses and to make sure that we're kind of pushing that perspective forward in a positive way that helps us instead of hurts us and ultimately helps in the sense of finding the voice of God through all of this noise that's, that's going around in terms of trying to build a profit, you know, trying to maximize growth and retention mm -hmm. that has all of these uh, toxic side effects. Um, yeah. And that's good. So how do you think Zion is going to help in, in the midst of all of these apps coming out? I know that, you know, in its purest form, what it's meant to do is to connect Christians um, mm -hmm. in the workplace because, you know, the surveys that you sent out were usually based on Christians who are in a big company or a small startup and they're kind of fearful of letting people know that they're Christian, um, but they want those connections to be made in the workplace. And, and thus, that's where, you know, you come in and you fill that need uh, in the market. Um, so what, what, what are your current projections for Zion and what are your hopes and, and, and goals for what Zion is going to be in the future? Yeah. I mean, I, my dream you know, a problem that I really wish 
that I can see that exists today and where Zion might fit into that is um, number one, finding believers and wherever you are. And this is not a old, you know, it's not a new, a, a new solution. Um, believers, even back in Roman Empire days, they used the fish, Jesus fish, um, as a sign to find each other. Mm. Um, and so they would draw that and you would know, oh, there's a gathering of a prayer here as a believer. It's a secret message for each other. Sure. And as persecutions of believers is rising wherever you are, and that's not that doesn't mean you're, you're being stoned for your faith. It means that you don't feel like you can't even say you're a Christian in your workplace. Yeah. I feel like the first thing is help people find each other so they can come out as a believer. Mm-hmm. Um, since if there's two or more gather in the name of Christ, there Jesus is, I believe that it is really important for believers to know who other brothers and sisters are in in the community that god has sent you to um and so that is number one and number two um there's a really big problem the one of the big side effects of social media today that is designed um based on you know certain metrics is that it would continue to divide um the nation it will continue to divide the body of believers that is using this social media. So if you are a conservative Christian using Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or whatever social, you know, network that's out there for you, it will continue to try to feed the contents that you want. That is more like you so that you stay onto that platform and you are validated in your ideology. And the opponent or a different ideas or expression of worship or theologies look so foreign to them that it would continually build walls um, in the minds of, of that person. And so I think a big issue with current algorithm of social media today mm-hmm. and the way that it is designed is it will continually create more blue and red it would continue to build more walls within the users and yeah. create thicker bubbles within them. And where we believe that Zion can come in is once we have the believers have um, our dedicated space, dedicated place where it's safe for you to express your faith, connect with people, be inspired by brothers and sisters Um we believe that we can design a better algorithm that can be edifying to a global church um, rather than the interest of an individual. Um, and so that is a big task. And we're talking about um, eight people of volunteers right now um, <laughs> versus ten, tens of thousands of engineers. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, product design, smart people at Facebook, at YouTube, right? We're, we're you know, it seems like an impossible game to fight, but I feel like this is how, um, you know, people felt when they were right in front of the promised land after 80 years of wandering around they're in front of the promised land. They send in 12 spies, 10 comes back and says, we saw the biggest people we've ever seen. They have <laughs> the biggest fruits and biggest weapons. There's no way we will ever, ever take them down. And only two of them said, but God said that this is our land. God said that he will give us this land. And so I really do think it's about people in technology 
um, believers in technology having that faith and saying, God, all these tools are being used to negatively affect um, the world and the kingdom. And I have faith that you are faithful. I have faith that you're a good leader and you will use technology for your kingdom and for your good. And so I think as we continue to have that faith, whether that be Zion or other apps, I believe that God will take um, his throne in tech. Amen. Man. So as we close down our second episode of the podcast, oh man, I just feel like there was a lot to unpack there. And I feel like our listeners have um, a lot of good information, good fruit that has come um, from our conversation. So is there anything last minute that you would um, like to add in terms of, you know, it could be anything you can throw in another plug or if you wanted to uh, say something personal to uh, our listeners, um, this is your space to do it. Yeah, um, I am super, super encouraged by Isaac Yu for um, starting this podcast, Saints of SF. I just want to encourage people that, hey, this is such an opportunity time that God has placed us um, where we have resources to impact and influence and cultures. And so I want to thank you, Isaac, for taking that step. And it must be hard to take a bold step uh, as a Christian in Silicon Valley or, you know, San Francisco. Um, and so if there's anyone that feels, you know, they're, they are called to do something, to create something, I want to encourage them to do it as Isaac did, as well as if you haven't downloaded Zion app, go and download it at zionapp.io. Um, but thank you so much for listening today. Well, there you have it, Saints. Go to zionapp.io to download the Zion app for Christians in the workplace. And um, we're ending episode two of Saints of San Francisco podcast. So thanks for tuning in, Saints, and we'll catch you next time. Hey Saints, catch us next week Saturday as we host one of the most level-headed, resilient, and kind entrepreneurial badass I know. See you next week.